0: Okay, confession to make, Craig McLeod, favorite movie all time. Remember the Titans, and there's a reason for that. It came from my era. Um, Our school integrated in 1969, and, uh, and I played football in high school, and the music in that movie is the music from my era, and so I love that movie. Every year, just before football season, either Carol and I or... One of my kids and I, we will sit down and watch that movie together. It's coming up soon. I will do it again. I love that movie. I love to watch it. In fact, in uh, when I was a junior in high school, I woke up one morning just after the season had ended, and I looked at the sports page of the News and Observer. That's the main newspaper in the capital city of Raleigh, and. Um, and on the sports page, there it was, my picture, my picture on the front page of the sports page, because I had made uh, All-State second team. Now, before you get all excited, uh, we were just a small school, 1A ball, and I was a lineman, and there is no glamour in being a lineman, okay? But I had made second team All-State. I was so excited. And uh, my my dad, my daddy uh, worked for... Uh, civil service fireman for Fort Bragg, and he would travel. Uh, tw- he worked twenty four on, twenty four off. So every morning he was either leaving early to go, or he was coming back. And that morning he was coming back, and so <clears throat> I-, I couldn't wait for him to get there. On the one hand, I just you know to tell my daddy that that uh, you know this was this was me on the front page of the sports page, and and so uh, but my my daddy now <clears throat> my daddy was old school i mean you know my my daddy's generation was not all that much into affirmation do you know what i mean do you remember this okay i mean i mean uh uh my daddy was a good man and you're going to know that by the end of this message but but uh my daddy came from the depression he came from you know world war 2 um he came from his daddy who was well He he was not a very nice man. In fact, he never mentioned his father's name to me. That's how serious it was. And so my daddy was of that generation that just felt like that they had to make sure that their children were tough. So I was afraid to tell him what was in the newspaper. And so when he came in the door, my mother was there, and uh, she's sitting on the front row, and she's going to just cringe and cry and laugh all the way through this message. But my mother was at the door, and she, she saw that I wasn't going to say it. And so she said, Daddy, I mean, she said, Wesley, she said, Craig has something exciting to tell you. And I said, uh, shaking in my boots, you know. I said, Daddy, I said, um, my, I, I made second team all state. I, I'm, I'm on the front page of the news, of the sports page. The news of her. And my daddy stopped in the doorway. And he took a long, a long inhale on his cigarette, as if to uh, be very cautious about the next words out of his mouth. And he looked at me and he said, "Well," he said, "next year I bet you can do better than that." Ooh! Now listen. On the outside, I got it. You know, stay humble. Don't let this thing go to your head. But on the inside, I felt that dig, that need for my daddy to give me a high five. There's nothing like it. For him to say, "I'm proud of And It wasn't there. Now, mind you. My daddy was a great man. In fact, my mother never said anything negative about him, so we thought he was perfect, too perfect, a high standard that neither my brother nor I could ever meet. You know, here's the need. The problem is that the relationship we have had with our earthly fathers tends to be interpreted as a limited picture of what our relationship with our heavenly father should be like. That's the problem. How we have been treated as children by our fathers illustrates for us a perception of God and his nature and therefore impacts the value of we have of ourselves. And so my generation actually struggled with the God of the big stick. We always saw God with growing up with, you know, harsh, a harsh look on his face. You know, just like Denzel Washington, we, we saw God looking, you know, you first come to the Lord and, and you just feel great on the inside, but you feel like God's looking at you going, right, who's your daddy, Craig? you know, let's get this straight. You know, who's your daddy, Craig? I mean, that's 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 the way. Now, listen, sometimes we need to be, you know, we need a little confrontation from God. I mean, uh, Bertier there, Gary Bertier, you know, he was arrogant and he was rebellious. And uh, so, he probably needs a little bit of that, all right? But we grew up with a perception of God being like that all the time. That's a problem. Now, you may not flow with me 100% here, but let me me keep going here. Uh, My generation swung the pendulum the other way. My generation and the generation following me, well, we so much wanted our kids to have affirmation that we just poured it on. And in fact, the generation now is pouring it on so strong, what happens is this, is that there's so much affirmation. The affirmation is good but there's hardly any discipline. Am I right? Now, the older ones are going, say it, brother. You tell them. All, right. so, <laughs> all right. So there's not We And so what happens is the extreme is, but I see it all the time. Go to the grocery store. Okay, I see it all the time. Uh, well, you see, kids are just totally undisciplined, and they can't be controlled until the parent gets really frustrated and, and, and feels that lack of control, and then they over Now, the truth of the matter is no generation is going to get it exactly right. Here's the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that the collapse of any culture can be directly traced to the collapse of the family structure and specifically to our relationship with our fathers, if you had one at all. I had uh, a...I've known people who were born as the result of rape. I want you to imagine the identity crisis that they had to work through in their lives and the constant grit in their soul, not knowing who they are, not having the affirmation of their father not even knowing what he looks like. Now, all of us have had different places of description when it comes to our relationship with our fathers, some bad, some good, and some absentee. And the impact of that on us is more than we want to admit. It's more than we can face. It's more than we can talk about. But that in and of itself, for some reason, Father God has established culture to be based largely on how that goes. Now, hang in there. I've got hope. Hope is coming. Hang in there. This series today is not really about fatherhood, although (laughs) you're going to catch it. It'll it'll weave in and out. This is a four-week series coming. But this series is more about, well, here's the real question. The question is, how do you perceive the character and nature of your heavenly father? How do you perceive him? Is, are you limited by the perception that you had of your earthly father? Is that a problem? Maybe you don't realize it's a problem, but it's standing in the way of your perception of your heavenly father. Do you really know God as Father, who is he? What is he really like? What does he want from me? How does he make my life significant, this father of mine? All right, so Jesus is going to answer the question for us. All right, turn in your Bibles or look on the screen to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, you sneaky pastor, you, you're going to do a series on prayer and you just snuck in there with, no, 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 no. In fact, I'm going to use what you call, we call the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to use that as an outline over the next four weeks. But this series is not about prayer. If you listen and if I listen, and we apply this to our lives, then we will change the way we pray. In fact, I'm going to build a case here today for the fact that Jesus was not just giving them a nice poetic prayer. When, you know, actually in, in, in Luke, the disciples, this same story in Luke, Luke says the disciples actually came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus responded with this. And so we've memorized it and we quoted it and said it so much that we've lost the impact of what Jesus was actually saying to them, what he was delivering to them. Jesus was not just giving them a prayer to pray. Jesus knew that for them to effectively pray, what they really needed was to know their Father. And what we've missed in the Lord's prayer is the Father Himself? He's all the way through it, and so we're going to get to know the Father in the next four weeks. Now, what I'm about to do is to show you where Jesus comes into this picture, because uh, Jesus Himself actually came to do just that. We came to down the cross shed his blood for our sin, raised from the dead, go back to the right hand of the Father, send the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus came to do that, but have you missed the fact that he was here for 30, 33 years before that happened? And he actually came to earth in the flesh to demonstrate to us who the Father is. I'm going to show you. First, turn into um, John 1, That will be on your screen here as well. John one eighteen, and it says, no one has seen God at any time. Now, you know, Jesus started his this prayer, if you will, off by saying, our Father, which art in heaven. Well, if, if he's in heaven, how, how am I going to get to know him? How, how do I get to know God who is in heaven? That's the problem, isn't it? There's a distance here between the Father or between God and I. And so, Jesus says, uh, I'm sorry, John said, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Other versions say, He has explained Him. He has revealed Him. He has made Him known. Jesus actually came to reveal the Father. He actually came to demonstrate who the Father is. If you want to know who the Father is, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over again and watch Jesus, how he responds, what he comes out of his mouth. But Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father to. I only say what I hear the Father say. He's the exact. Right, in fact, look look at the next one. That's Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Now, before verse three, it refers to his son, God's son. And then it says, who being the brightness of his glory, who Jesus, his son, God's son, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, the exact representation. Jesus was the representation of the Father. We we didn't know what God was like. We know what he was like. Now, Jesus is coming, living it out in front of us and saying, This is what the Father is like. In fact, turn also go to John 14. This this makes it really clear. Jesus said, you know that scripture we like to quote, no man comes to the Father except through me, all right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, but here's, here's what he said in the context. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip says what is in the heart of every person that has ever been born. We just don't know it. We don't know how to describe it. We don't know how to identify this within us, but Philip said it. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. You reveal the Father to us. Let us see God the Father. You reveal Him to us, and I will not need anything else. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what your life is like, if God would just show up, and reveal himself to me, then I, I, I wouldn't even need whatever. I just need him. It would all, I mean, I know everything would be okay, right? And I felt the affirmation that I need from him. Just give me that. Just show me the Father, and that's enough. That's what's in every hole of every heart on the planet. And Jesus' response was well, so matter of fact, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, let's take a look at the prayer in the context of that. When the disciples asked, show us how to pray. I have a sneaky suspicion from what I see now in this prayer is that Jesus was more interested not in them praying the exact words. You know, we this is a classic prayer. It is the prayer. You know, if you were to ask, pray the most important prayer of all time, you would pray this prayer. Uh, in fact, in football, we prayed this prayer before every game we huddled up, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we would pray that prayer, and they would go out and hurt somebody. You know, this is I'm not sure how all that was put together, but but... But, but we would pray that prayer, this thing, this covered us, you know, if we would just pray this prayer. Mm-mm. When you dig into what he said here, it goes far deeper than that. He turns to his disciples. And he says, okay, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The disciples' jaws fell to the ground. Call him. See, you, you've got to be Hebrew to understand this. But the Hebrews did not even say the name of I mean there are descriptions in the Old Testament remember there's no New Testament here their, their Old Testament is the Testament and so in the in the Old Testament there are some names that are descriptions of God and the names of God okay but but and and there's one like Elohim all right so that actually it's l El, and Elohim is plural and so and that term is used a lot for gods of other nations but but When Elohim is referring to God, our God, then it's the plural. It's like the Trinity, you know. It's, but, and, and then El, and then there's the word that we, we have given a name to, and we say Lord or Jehovah or Yahweh. That one is in the Old Testament 6,500 times. The problem is it is none of those words. The problem is, you cannot pronounce it because way back when, whenever they decided to pull the vowels out of the name and they just gave us four letters. And the letters are YHWH. Now you can see where Yahweh came from. But we don't know for sure that it was Yahweh. We just pronounce it that way because it was the only thing we know to do. We, we've lost, they've completely lost the vowels to this name of God. And so they were allowed to write that, but they were not allowed to speak his name. It was that holy. He was that far away. He was that much out of reach. He was who he was. God even said uh, to Moses, you know, he said, I am that I am. I mean, you know, God was, and that's That's all we could say. We couldn't say his name. And Jesus comes along and says, call him father. To them, it was like blast. To them, it was like, are we part of a cult here? Even in the Old Testament, God is not referred to as, to as father, but twice that I can find, Moses and David, in neither case was it them worshiping him and calling him father. It was more of a reference to him, and in one case, kind of in a negative tone, like, you never, you don't even know him. And so the, the whole father thing is not even, it's not even a part of their life. They know nothing of this father relationship. And Jesus said, call him. Oh, go ahead, say it, say it. Father, they they felt like almost dirty to God. That's who Jesus came to reveal. That's what he came to make straight. That's what he came to fix. That's what he came to restore. Adam and Eve had it at one time. It's what he was bringing back and bringing to a fuller degree through him. Jesus would live his life in a way where they would watch him and see how a child of God relates to the Father God. That's what he was doing. And so everything they saw, they both saw a reflection of God himself, and they saw how a child of the Father relates to the Father. That's what we have. That's why he came. That's what he brought for us. Now, I want you to do three things, okay? Number one, I want you to call him daddy for the next seven days. And we're going to pass out a test next week. And you can't lie. For the next seven days, I'm just teasing. The next seven days, I want you to catch yourself when you call him God or father and reverse and call him daddy. It's not going to be easy. This is not going to be easy, especially for the men. I I know this is not totally true. I'm generalizing, but some of you ladies had a better relationship with your father than your brothers did, okay? So I'm just generalizing, but there are some general truths in what I'm saying but I want you to do something that's going to be very hard. You're not used to it, and, and you're going to think of your earthly daddy first, and that's going to be a problem. But I want you to think, daddy. Yeah. Now, you want some scripture for that, and I'll give it to you. Romans chapter 8. You know it. Here it is, but we need to be reminded of it because we don't look at this very much. We don't really do what Paul asked us to do. So Romans chapter 8, it's, you can read verses 14 through 16, but I'm just going to pull out a phrase or two here. You received the Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. So by the Holy Spirit, we've been adopted, and by that Spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, when you come to know Christ, And he's in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually draws out of us the childlikeness with the Father. Do you know what that Abba means? you know what Abba Father means? It's Arabic. But it means the same thing that so many other similar words mean in all cultures. Every culture uh, known to man, according to this one research, has been studied, and they all come back to the same thing, and it was true of the... the, uh, the arabic this this was the word was abba actually goes back to somewhere along the way some child trying to call out its father's name trying to identify a word to attach to its father came out with the word abba it's just it's babbling abba and somebody in the Aramaic world, decided to bring that that title to themselves and take it on because of the sweetness of that relationship with that almost newly born baby who's now beginning to talk and calling out Abba. That's what that is. That's all that is. There's no deep Greek here. This Abba just means Daddy. In fact, I, I decided to do a little study on daddy. So I thought, well, where did daddy come from? Let's let's see here. So I I did a I did a little study and and uh, and so fifth the word daddy goes back to at least the 1500s, maybe even longer. But it's the same thing. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read the you know the more scientific view of this. So just follow me here, so you know I didn't make this up. The words parents used to refer to themselves are derived from the babblings of their children during their baby talk phase. And they researched all cultures that they could possibly research to come up with this. Babies will create what is known as proto-words by combining nonsensical combinations of consonants and vowels. The parents, since it is less complex, come to use them to refer to themselves, the substitute ultimately sticking. This explains why the words Like mama, papa, appa is, I know that from my travels in India, dada, tata, and baba are present in so many languages as a way of addressing one's parents. It came from the mouth of a child just beginning to learn to speak. It defines the relationship, the kind of relationship that the Holy Spirit is trying to draw out of you to have with your father. He's he's trying desperately to get you beyond the thickness of this barrier and to get you to cry out into a relationship where you call God by the name that just first comes out of your mouth the daddy. That's what he's looking for. Paul said, That's the relationship you have. He's Abba. He's Abba. And the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to pray that way, trying to get you to talk to him that way, trying to get you to relate to him that way. As Abba, when the disciples were asked to call him father, that's like you and I being asked to call him daddy. That's hard. It's not easy. We're not used to it. It was even worse for them to utter the term father. Number two. So, number one, call him daddy. Seven days, force yourself, have somebody hold you accountable. If you called him daddy today? Just start calling him daddy. It, listen, it will change. It will be hard at first. You're going to have to look beyond the image you have of daddy, and you're going to have to reach further than that because some of you have had some rough ones you've had some rough daddies. And so you to have to look past that, and you'll have to reach into, you might even have to do a little forgiving along the way, but you're going to have to reattach that word to capital D, daddy. Number two, make daddy known. We missed it. I, I, I'm in this class. I'm reading a lot of articles, and there's a lot of scripture, and well, I discovered something about this verse that I'd never seen before. You know how when we're preaching this as an outline of prayer, what the pastor will say is that we guess that, hallowed be thy name, we, we say, all right, now this is worship. This is all about worship. Listen, according to what I discovered, it's not its not really worship. Everything's worship, okay? And of course, that's worship in general, but that's not what is being said here with hallowed be thy name. The The... The name of God was, it. everything, you you look from, go do a little study on the word name from Genesis to Revelation. The name of God is really important. I mean, the word name just in describing the name of God is just, it's all over the place that we are to glorify his name, lift up his name. We are to worship his name. His name is to be lifted up and what this, and, and in fact, it is to be declared to all nations and what Jesus was saying here was, sanctify, lift up, make, declare to the fullest as you pray. Pray that the name of God will be lifted up and declared to everyone. It was a, it was a call. That prayer is a call that the name of God that would be hallowed, that it would be lifted up that it would be sanctified for all to adore. Not just about my worship, about everyone else's. But we've missed it. Oh, my goodness, it is so obvious. pull up the scripture, uh, one of the Matthew five, uh, 6, 9 scriptures. Can you do that for me? Just pull up that scripture, Matthew 6, 9. I know you don't have to find it. Okay, look, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We, it is so obvious, and we have totally missed it. Our Father, Jesus says to his disciples, call him Father. Here's the name. You haven't been able to say it, but I'm going to give you the most important name that you could ever call him. Call him Father. Our Father, that's his name, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Which is. He's telling them to lift up this name that I've given you, lift up his name as Father, as Daddy. I, you know what the Bible says about Jesus? In fact, Jesus said it in his prayer to the Father in, in John chapter 17. He said, he said, I came to manifest the name of God. And he said, as, as the Father has sent me into the world, I send Them into the world. We've been called, we've been actually created in the image of God to reveal the Father, to reveal Daddy. That's what Jesus is trying to say. That your call in life is to live out a relationship with Daddy to the degree that other people can taste that. Not a God who's about to hit me with a stick. And listen, He is a disciplinary God. I understand that but God wants people to taste and to see in you a relationship with daddy, the perfect daddy. Your your communication with other people is not just, you better believe because this is right. No, believe because I have a relationship with him. He's my daddy. I know that's going to be hard to say. You got to live that out and begin to share what your relationship is with him. That's the hunger of the heart. You just try to throw uh, what you believe in somebody's face, that won't necessarily reach them. But if you can have something that they know is different, and you begin to describe it so that they begin to understand this is Oh my goodness! This is exactly what my heart is crying out for—a relationship with my daddy, real daddy, ultimate Make daddy known. hallelujah Be your name. <laughs> Jesus said his name for the first time for them to understand, and then said, "Make it great." Make it known. Make it real for others to see. Number three. Whew, this one's tough. Let daddy make you whole. Paul gave us a scripture. It's him praying in Ephesians 3, and he says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father. I'm actually giving you the first line of the prayer And the last line of the prayer, there's a lot in between, but just for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Is my cell phone there? Can you bring it? Thanks, man. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So... I'm going to be very vulnerable with you this morning. Uh, I've been gone a lot, have you noticed? Some of you are seeing me for the first time. And uh, I actually belong here. Um, mm-hmm. and um, But I counted over four-month periods starting the, actually, it was around the 1st of November through the end of February. But 123 days, I was traveling with this new role that I am transitioning to I was traveling. So for 123 days, I traveled 77 days. That's 63%. And I would come home, and Carol travels. and So sometimes I would come home, and she would be gone. So we were apart even more than that. And I, I don't wish this on anybody. I, I, I know some of you have traveled in sales and that kind of thing. God bless you. Teach me how to do this. I mean, it's hard. It is hard just to be gone from home, and, and and you get in. And for me, I'm easily distracted, so I'll get in another realm, and I just fully wrap myself into that realm and forget, you know, where I live and what my house looks like. And I just, you know, I just, I can, you know, that's the. the it's a hard world, and so, so, I, and you 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 miss your uh, your routines and your normal disciplines. And boy, it is hard when when you're living like that. And I and I come back. And and my last trip was to L.A. and I came back on the red eye, for crying out loud! I won't do that one again, and uh, and then had to live out my Monday, and so had a class that night. So it was crazy. And so that week, I come in my office and I'm just spent, and I am my head is spinning, and and I I realize I look at the calendar and I've got three months, I've got three months to live. I mean, no, I've got three months, and I'm gonna be uh, transitioning out of here as pastor, my whole life changes, and there 's a lot that 's got to happen between now and three months from now. I mean a lot, and i 'm looking at it it just looks impossible to me, and I, I, I all of a sudden, I have the weight of the overwhelmings. Anybody ever had that one? The overwhelmings, yeah, the rest of you are just lying, so anyway so and so I'm really desperate, and so I get on my face and I get I have a little square stool in my office. And I get down on that thing, and, uh, which I often do, and just pray. And I'm just seeking the Lord and going, Lord, I just don't know. Oh, my goodness, there's so much to do. And this traveling's gotten to me. And I just, this is too much. And I've asked them not to send me anywhere for the next three months, okay? And so I'm, I'm down there, and I'm just friends with the Lord. I just don't know how am I going to do all this. And I'm, I'm in that mode. And then all of a sudden, I felt this little rise come up in me toward my Father. I felt an emptiness inside, a lacking, a limitation that I knew it seemed my father never lacked that. He had stuff in him that was incredible. And I felt this like feeling toward him for crying out loud. my, my, My mother's here. This is dangerous. But she'll understand. I went back. My All of a sudden, I remembered, My vividly, I remembered sitting with him when he breathed his last breath. Mother was there. My brother was there. And when daddy died and mother and David left the room, I just... It felt weird to me walking out and nobody else coming in. You know what I mean? I just felt like I needed to be there until they came and got the body. So I sat there. Now, I, listen, I've been you know, a Christian all my life. I've been pastoring pastor in all these years, and I was his pastor then. And I knew where he was. I knew he was in the presence of God. I knew that that lifeless, breathless body was not him anymore. I knew that. But when everybody left the room and I was there for an hour and a half, I found myself talking to my daddy for an hour and a half. We I'm not even sure we talked that much our whole life. You know what I mean? He was a quiet man, and I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm th- I'm telling him things, I'm confessing things he didn't know about. <laughs> you know, say, Daddy, by the way, you know, I did this, I should have told you I did this. You know, going through this thing. And I remember thinking that my dad, he was such an awesome man. He was so revered in our And I remember thinking, Daddy, I don't think I can live up to that. I don't know that I can live up to the man that you've been. And I was a little bit angry that he hadn't somehow imparted that to me. He hadn't discipled me, to give it spiritual terms. I mean, I I felt a need, an emptiness, and I felt it. The other day in my prayer time, I found this little feeling toward, listen, growing up, I never had a negative feeling toward my dad. My mother never said anything negative about him. And if we even acted like we were negative toward our parents, you know, we got in trouble fast. So I didn't never said any, I never thought, I never allowed myself to think anything negative about him. And all of a sudden, I'm having these feelings. And I come back and I'm praying And the Lord says, Craig, who's your dad? Craig, I am that daddy who fills the empty spot. Not him. I'm the daddy who gives you what you don't have or what you need. That's that's me. That's this daddy. I never intended for your earthly dad. To, to fill you up to all of your fullness. I'm the daddy who does that. I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. Let me be that daddy that you're thinking you're missing on the inside. Let me be that daddy. And I was crying. I was bawling. I texted my brother. L- listen to this. I texted my brother, and I said, uh, uh, I was just thinking about Daddy. Wish I had a little more of what <laughs> of what he was made of. My brother, <laughs> by the way, my brother just retired from 30 years of football coach, okay? He said, I miss him so much, brother. I need his wisdom. I want to talk to him so bad, sitting in my truck at the bank right now crying like, a I texted back, that's what I'm doing in my office. What are we going to do? <laughs> and he, he sounds just like my daddy. And he says, we have to man up. <laughs> I said, you're sounding like daddy. I probably needed to hear that. I was going to be late for my lunch. I wanted to stay there, but I got up because I was having lunch with, you know, Pete Jankowski. He's, you know, thought maybe I should keep the appointment. (laughs) So I go down here to Ebenezer's. We were going to meet there, and I got there before he did, and I'm thinking, I'm I'm a mess. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to see me. He'll know. Am I supposed to tell him about this thing? I don't want to, but okay, Lord, I feel like you want me to tell him. So he came in, sat down, and I began to tell him just what I told you, and, and he, then he told me what he told you during communion, that recently this is what God's been doing in his life. And two grown men sat there in that restaurant and cried like babbling idiots. We were going like, don't anybody look. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know why we met? To decide what to preach on in this series. And we looked at each other and said, I think we know. He wants to be daddy. He sent his Holy Spirit to lead us into that. It's what we're lacking. It's what we need. This possibly could be the most important thing you've ever heard. Even to the unbeliever, your real daddy is waiting for you to come your real daddy who meets every need, who shows up, never leaves you nor forsakes you, that daddy. By the way, my daddy, an awesome man. <laughs> Listen, my da- it's crazy, you know, when these daddies are so tough and hard, and then they become grandfathers. What's up with that? Here they are real sweet and kind and Boy, those grandchildren, they buy them everything and, you know, come on now. I know that's what my kids have said about me. And I'm going to give some credit to the Holy Spirit and to my mother because the last third to half of my daddy's life, he became the sweetest man you've ever known. The sweetness in him just oozed out in the latter years of his life. It's what the Holy Spirit was doing in him. He had issues with his dad. And God was bringing that out, making him known as his daddy to him. See, Bow your heads with me. Whew. I know where I am right now, and I hope you're there. And so there's a call to every person in this place to shift in your identification of who he is. He's your daddy. And if you've never been able to call him even father because you've never received him into your life, today is that day. And so as an act of faith, as a step of courage, although everyone else can keep their heads bowed, but if you would just lift your hand and say, I want to give my heart to the father today through Christ, come into my life, Lord Jesus, and show me the way to the Father. If you've never done that, you want to do that today, take that step of action. Hold your hand up right now. Let me see it so I can pray for you. Is there anyone here who desires that? Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift your hand. Don't be afraid. Let's just pray together. Listen, if you Raise your hand. There'll be people down front afterwards. If you want to come and talk to somebody, they'll give you a Bible and a gift. And So please come and talk to somebody. Let them pray with you afterwards. Father, Daddy, thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for Jesus who has led the way, who has given us the right picture, who has given us the demonstration of how to relate to you. Teach us, Lord. Draw us by your Holy Spirit. Draw us into that because we're all lacking. Even if we had good fathers, they weren't good enough. And so, Lord, we ask you, Lord, come into our hearts. We receive you. and. Draw us into that place. Show us how. Bring other people into our lives to show us and to reveal to us and and, and grow us in this. Lord. And then, Lord, I call on your people to go out and demonstrate it, to manifest this picture of a father who is our daddy. And may hearts be filled and lives changed.